welcome back to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with hey. this guy. Yep, I'm I'm the oldster he's always referring to. This is Ron. If you're the oldster, I'm the youngster, huh? Yeah. I so, guess that's the way it works out. <laughs> my kids would say that's not quite exactly true. But uh, what we want to do is we're bringing you uh, part two of our conversation with David Hoffbrand. And in this episode, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, we're talking about... Uh, you know, the rise of anti-Semitism uh, in England, what has been happening there in the church in England. Uh, I think uh, anti-Semitism has never been stronger than it is right now. But not just anti-Semitism. There's a, a, a full-scale disinterest in, in the things of God. Uh, and what we hear and what we see, what he tells us that is happening there in, in England is a, a church and a body of believers, a, a community and society culturally that is just barely ahead of where we are headed here in America. Yeah, yeah. They are the forerunners for what's taking place here. And so I think we ought to uh, turn on David and let him start to talk about this stuff. All right. So sit back, listen, take notes. This is some good stuff. This is David Hofbrand. So, David, that this is the podcast that we've wanted to have with you for like the last year as we've been trying to talk <laughs> and our schedules and craziness and all of that stuff. We did get to hang out in, in Dallas for a little bit, which was awesome. Um, but I, I want to pivot a little bit. And one of the things that you just said was God's heart for Israel. And uh, as we speak, uh, all, we're all supposed to be in Israel. I, I'm just going to add you to the list of all of our Jewish friends that were leading a tour or doing something in Israel uh, during this time. And uh, you were going over there to not only film a course for the Jewish Jesus for your book, but also just to talk through what, what is God's heart for Israel. And so we are on the other side of a tragedy uh, as we're speaking right now. This is uh, Wednesday, November 1st. We're about three weeks into this nightmare that's happening in Israel. Um, but what is God's heart for Israel and, and how is that being received right now in the UK? Wow. Well, firstly, first part of that question, what is God's heart for Israel? It, you, you just can't get away from that in the Bible. Mm. As a follower of Jesus, as a believer, as somebody who says the Bible is the word of God, you just can't get away from this sense that God says, these are my chosen people to bring blessing to the world. And he says they, in Exodus 19, 6, we have the call, which is you will be a nation of priests, a special treasure to me. And God's already said to Abraham, those who bless you are blessed, those who curse you are cursed. But he says he'll be a special treasure. And then we have this verse in Romans where Paul says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable without repentance, which mm -hmm. so many believers, pretty much every believer knows that verse and quotes it for when they've messed up, you know, but really the context is Israel. And it's got, and it's Paul saying, Hey, just don't be confused about this. I still have a, pl a special place and a special plan for my people. And then, but also people often will, will, Okay, Jesus is Jewish, I'll engage with that, but not engage with this idea of actually what God also says, which is 
he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. God calls Israel his firstborn, the apple of his eye, all throughout the Bible and 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 in the New Testament. I mean, isn't it amazing that the first person who received the Holy Spirit in Acts, it specifically says he was a lover of the Jewish people, you know, almost like they're saying, hey, this is part of why, you know, why is come because he's understood that salvation is from the Jews. And so um, the church is in this crazy position where it's basically basing its life around a Jewish Messiah, reading a Jewish book every week, you know, everything is based around these Jewish things and yet not engaging with the heart, God's heart for the Jewish people. Uh, even though Paul says, listen, even the ones, because sometimes people say, oh, the Jewish people didn't accept the Messiah. And it's like, who wrote the New Testament? <laughs> it's mostly Jews, pretty much all Jews apart from possibly one author. So, so, so the Jews did accept the Messiah. Not all of them did, uh, which is a big difference. But, but, but Paul is basically saying, even the ones who didn't accept Messiah yet, they're still beloved. It, Paul says they're still the people he loves. And he explains why. He says, look, they're still the people. He, God has invested, if you like, so much in them. So, so this is God's heart for Israel, is, is, is God wants that people to shine. Think of your firstborn. If your firstborn went off and now of course we have to remember it's only some of the jews who don't know the messiah because some do but 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 imagine your firstborn child goes off and then you adopt some children as you know you want your adopted children to carry your heart for that firstborn if they're if they're off in a, a place where they're not blessed you you don't want your adopted children going well we're the children now you want them to carry your heart. So, so God wants his people to carry his heart for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Just, just as we, he wants us to carry a, a heart for the widows and the orphans. Absolutely. Nobody has a problem with that. He wants us to carry a, a special place for them that we would actually bless them and, and realize that God uh, calls us to lift those people up equally and much more prevalent in the Bible is this idea that God says, Hey, there's a whole world there, but there's just this one bit of land that is my land. He says, that bit of land, just don't touch that. And of course, what is the most fought over land in the world? Israel. But there's also, he calls Israel my people. And he says again and again and again, don't touch them. He's like, the whole world, there's just this one people, just don't touch them. Who are the most persecuted people in history? The Jewish people. So God's heart for them is still very much in evidence and every time you see with the Jewish people, you see it's until, you know, with the, Gent- the Gentiles, you always see the word also. So salvation has come to the Gentiles also. Um, and, but with the Jewish people, you mm-hmm. always say, God says, until Jerusalem will be trampled until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Um, I don't want to be ignorant of this mystery that a blindness in part has happened to the Jewish people until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. So, so God is still doing stuff with the Jewish people. He's still passionate about restoration, about bringing them to know him. And we see that Paul says it's going to be life from the dead. So this is all that. As to what is happening in England, yeah, there is a different, but part two of that question is that the large majority of the church, vast majority of the church in England does not carry that understanding and lives in the place of replacement theology and therefore does not see this current issue as having any spiritual 
dimension in that sense. So seeing take, it take, pro- take take Israel out of it for a second. Even just what what where is the church in England at even today, just as a church and just general acceptance of Christians within the culture of the British people. So fundamentally it's post Christian culture in that sense and postmodern. Okay. But I would say that the Pentecostal church is the one that's growing. More than anything, the established church is struggling a lot and selling buildings and and congregates and closing. But there is a charismatic renewal in the Anglican church, in the Catholic church. And there is, you know, we don't have to the same extent the kind of mega church culture that America has or some other countries. But there is a healthy Christian community. But I would say it's not a majority Christian nation. It's not a place where it's normal to talk about. Christianity and you're, you're just as a believer, as somebody who would talk about faith, you, you are stepping out. You are not uh, not part of the norm, and mm-hmm. um, certainly as a Messianic Jew, you're definitely not. But um, that's that's kind of the culture. Okay, uh, so now now take that as as an assumption or an understanding, and now infuse the Israel thing, where a lot of the church or a lot of the country is not not going to church, or if they do, it's on the holidays, but then you throw in the Jewish thing, the Israel thing, and what does that now look like, and what's been the response? Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty shocking, because people don't, have, because people are in replacement theology, even believers, so, so never mind, in terms of the secular, outside the church, leaving the church aside, you, you've got mass demonstrations against what's going on, um, and some of those started before Israel did anything. You've got a, a massive, uh, the, the Muslim population in the UK is far, far, far bigger than the Jewish population. Um, but equally, there is a, an embracing of a sort of decolonization type agenda and the a very secular agenda, which is, says, you know, white Western people uh, have oppressed other people, and we need to make amends for that. We need to row back on that, and all of those kind of things that somehow get sucked into the Israel narrative. And Palestine is seen as this cause, along with lots of other causes, and it's lumped in with a whole range of things. And Israel becomes somehow <laughs> the white oppressor of the Palestinians, and. Because everybody fundamentally sees this and reports this as political and doesn't have any sense of Hamas as a Islamist organization that really is like their agenda is not, um, we just want a liberal state alongside your liberal state, <laughs> uh, which people almost seem to be protesting as though they are. You know, you've got people who are protesting LGBT. Uh, for for Palestine. And you think, do you understand that you could not be openly gay in Palestine run by Hamas? There was a meme. There was a meme that that said they they were holding it, right? It was LGBTQ or queers for Palestine. And right underneath it, there was, uh, it was chickens for KFC, right? (laughs) You you won't survive. Israel is, is the most embracing, you know, and very, very kind of a, a liberal place to live and people forget that two million Arabs are living in Israel and integrated in that society. They're not right. saying it's without problems, but, but it's amazing how quickly people shifted from this massacre of Jews 
and not just Jews actually, but you know, massacre of people in Israel shifted so rapidly, almost without skipping a beat in England to the, the response has to be proportional. And as people have pointed out, some commentators point out, what exactly is a pr- proportional response to the behaving mm-hmm. of babies, raping of women and, and you know, kidnapping? How many, how many babies are Israel allowed to behead, you know, with that, make it okay and oh we've done one too many so that's not okay it's like ridiculous um but but i think the fundamental thing for me is that people are not honest about the agenda of hamas about the islam about the fact that their desire is not to create a wonderful peaceful state alongside israel and israel this big bully is stealing all its land and you know that's just not an accurate picture so people are protesting and people are massively protesting and calling for a ceasefire and and don't understand that Hamas has no interest in living peaceably with Israel and the Jewish people and that calling for a ceasefire is simply about saying to Israel, stop doing what you're doing and leave Hamas to exist just as they did because they will invariably not be looking for a peaceful solution. So you're just saying, go and rearm and come back later. So I understand I think everyone is grieved by seeing innocent people die. But the reality is that the people protesting in England don't seem to have a very good, clear understanding of the actual situation, you know, and, and what is motivating Hamas as though they're terrorists for a cause, when in reality they are not just normal terrorists, they're jihadists, they're Islamists, and it's a very different thing. Um, so in England, you're, you're seeing big demonstrations, but it's quite instructive that of all of this going on, it's only the Jewish schools in England that have had to close. It's only the Jewish people who has had to worry for their parents. I've got friends who w- planned a demonstration, uh, sorry, a, well, it was a, a demonstration, a, a gathering in support of the Jewish community here. And they said, okay, we're going to do this thing. They called the contacted the police, said, we want to do this, Christians against anti-Semitism, and we want to just go to the Israeli embassy and protest. Not protest, sorry, not protest, just stand in support, in solidarity with the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Now, three days later, they had a letter from the police saying, there's a pro-Hamas, or sorry, pro-Palestine march planned, and we think you shouldn't do this because there are people who might come and disrupt you and it won't be safe. So they, mm-hmm. they, they eventually said, okay, we'll move to this other area, Golders Green in London, an area where a lot of Jewish people live. And then a, little, a day or two later, they got a, another message saying, we've been, we've been told that people, pro-Palestine um, supporters, have heard about this and we can't, you know, are going to potentially uh, disrupt this and uh, affect your safety, so we think you should cancel the march, uh, cancel the demonstration. So they had to cancel it. So that tells you a lot about England, which is the Jewish people are worried, the Jewish schools have had to close, Jewish people have been told by their synagogues, maybe be careful about wearing a yarmulke, um, demonstrate, you know, putting your Star of David on, but the mm-hmm. only Jewish people, and Jewish people had to not have a, you know, Christians in support of Jewish people had to not have the demonstration because the police couldn't guarantee their safety. But n- no, no, n- no one on that kind of other pro-Palestinian 
side of that demonstration had to worry about their safety in the same way. So, uh, so there is a little bit yeah. of a situation here. Um, I don't know what else to say, but that's that's fundamentally. I think what has been really shocking as well is the lack of real support from the church even. People are very yeah. worried about speaking out on behalf of Israel. And I would say all those people who spoke out really loudly and clearly and repeatedly about everything from Black Lives Matter to Ukraine to the issues around women that happened recently and women's safety to a whole range of issues. And it's been like tumbleweed when it has come to what happened in Israel, in England. Uh, I don't know if it's been the same in America, but it really has been noticeable and noticed by all my friends in Israel and, and yeah. by Jews here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, David, it, it is very noticeable here in America, too. In fact, uh, because of the size of America, you know, it's really on a grand scale. When you're looking at 100,000 people in New yeah. York City, you know, demonstrating uh, this way. And it's not just New York City. It's all over the country in universities and so on. Insane. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this uh, from the aspect uh, of the fact that there's really not a solution in terms of a, a land issue. It's not about land or Correct. anything, you know, going in that direction. And I look at what is taking place in our country and around the world, and I'm going, wow, all of a sudden this popped up so quickly mm. and there is so much hatred here mm. uh, moving from the political aspect of all of this yes. uh, into, the, you know, the biblical worldview. Yeah. I'm interested in what your take is in terms of where this is heading and how how does this impact, you know, the last day's events uh, if, you know, we're yeah. living in the last days, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Because 100 years ago or maybe 200 years ago, it would have been hard to see how the whole world would end up focused on Jerusalem and Israel, um, which is what we want. Yeah. Wasteland, swamps, deserts, sparsely populated. And you look at everything that's happened, Israel gathered back, the Jewish people gathered back in the land. And and then, you know, you think in Joel where it says, um, I'll bring them into judgment because of how they divided up my land and what mm -hmm. they've done to my people. And you see that throughout the Bible, which is a repeated pattern of, God even uses the nations to bring judgment on Israel. And then he almost always says, right, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna judge the nations because they went beyond what I intended. And and right. you look at the anti-Semitism, which like you're saying, Ron, is 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 way bigger than this issue of land, which is what I meant in terms of Jewish people are unsafe. They're the ones who are having to be unsafe because people don't they, they just kind of I mean, before Israel did anything, there were people chanting, gas the Jews in Sydney. Mm. You know, so it's, it's clear. So I think where we're headed, it says in Zechariah, we'll make Jerusalem a cup of reeling. You know, I'll make, it's a heavy stone and any nation that tries to lift it will be, and I think Derek Prince used the, the word literally means ruptured, you know, or get a hernia. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, the... This is exactly what we're seeing coming to pass. And this sense of Jewish people as if there's just, if we could just solve this one problem, everything will be okay. We can mm -hmm. just 
if we can just sort out this issue, but of course they're not going to be able to sort out this issue and things are probably going to get worse and more difficult. And I think one of the things that I, I see is that the church is not going to be able to sit on the fence so easily because things are becoming polarized. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got friends in other churches. My, in, in our church, I spoke in our church and I did a 20-minute thing about this is what I think is happening and this is how we need to respond. But most churches in the UK, and I, I've got friends in other churches, I'm hearing that the prayer is very, very, there's no sense of anything remotely about God's heart for the Jewish people of Israel. Or it's very much like we pray for the innocent people who are on both sides who are suffering. And there's, there's no sense of understanding that agenda that, like you say, is Israel is surrounded by it, Iran, Hezbollah, ISIS in Syria. I mean, they, they all kind of want to destroy Israel. And this situation, it, it manifests in different ways at different times, different centuries. But uh, prophetically, I think what we can say is that we're moving to a place that looks a whole lot more like what the Bible says the end times will look like than it did 100 years ago with the Jewish people back in the land and everybody saying, let's just divide up the land properly. And everybody saying, if we can just lift Jerusalem, sort out Jerusalem. But, um, and, and, and as Christians, I just wish that people would look a little bit less just through a secular and political lens and, and understand, yes, the history, inform ourselves definitely, because most Christians don't genuinely don't know the history of Israel. I don't know. So they're only looking back to um, 10 years or so. You know, Israel's been oppressing the, the Palestinians. They don't look back to 1948. They don't look back to even before that. They don't look back to the pogroms. They don't look back to the history. They don't look back to the Yom Kippur War. They don't have any. So, so yes, important. but then don't just view it through a secular lens understand spiritually what the Bible says and what's going on. Like you're saying, Ron, I think you're alluding to is like, we have to see it through the lens of, of, of that. And I think you can see the Bible coming to life and it's, it's both terrifying. I mean, we're not in a hurry to see this. I think, you know, we're not like, Oh, it's so exciting. This isn't a movie. This is real people. And we want to pray, but at the same time, it's hard to not see the Bible coming alive. Right. In, in all of this, and Jesus, yeah. uh, if we understand it as this, the return of Jesus isn't at some random time. It's when Jerusalem and Israel is surrounded by all its enemies and, and, and Yeshua comes back in that situation, in a situation where it isn't like world peace. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, and it, it seems to me that, uh, you know, this is the direction that uh, – the world and the politics and all of that is going. The, the goal is to establish world peace, to come to some sort of a, a solution politically that will bring this in. And it's really not going to uh, have peace in the world until the Prince of Peace comes. And, yes. you know, the thing is, is that he's not going to come until Israel says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right. Matthew yeah. 23. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and... And I was just going to say, and until, you know, you can't have peace between everyone without having the Prince of Peace in people's hearts as well, because it's like not only is he going to come physically, but 
that 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 piece that would look like it's a bit like communism attempted to make everyone equal by kind of saying we're just going to impose this you know impose an imposition but it didn't deal with the issue of the heart and therefore it, the of those nations ended up some of those corrupt nations on the on the planet so so yes agreed sorry what were you going to say matt well i was just as you look at even the people who are for israel uh, who are watching. I, I think that we have a very anemic church. Uh, it sounds like England is even further ahead on yeah. that timeline than we are here in America, but we're headed that way. And I, I grew up with, you know, you have left behind and all, all of these things where I thought, well, yeah, yeah, the biblical time was 2000 years ago. That must've been crazy to be alive during the time of Jesus. And, you know, I'm just going to go through my life. It, you almost, you have faith, but you, it, it's more of a disbelief of like, is this really, it seems too crazy that it's it's ever going to happen. Yeah. And then we have the coronavirus, and that was just a blip on the radar to just kind of prove and just a, a, a warning shot over the bow that just says, like, the world could change in a heartbeat. It can yeah. massively change. And so you look at the, the temperature and what's going on, and you have some people in the church who are watching what's going on, and they're prophetic, and they're looking, and they're, they're saying— this is it. We're, we've we've reached the end times, and they're looking at it like a chessboard, trying to figure out now. It's like a timing issue, rather than like God's heart and 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 what what is He calling us to do as far as prepping our heart and being ready for His return. But this, the other segment of this is that the people who are interested in this Israel conversation, the things that we, when we show up and speak at a church or when we host events, the, the, the congregation, the people who are showing up, those who are going on a trip to Israel, they're old. We have all the old folks. And, yeah. and wait a minute. You know, I, I know I, I can say that because, you know, I spend most of my time with this one over here. David, you and I are, are young. We still have most of our lives ahead of us. We've good looking guys, but there, there is a, <laughs> there You're a is a legend in your own mind. There you go. <laughs> but there, there's something about this next generation. Yes. Um, and, and the stuff that my kids are watching, even just the, the next generation right below me, like in their 30s and especially in their 20s, they're looking at this and like Israel is like absolutely the aggressor. What? How are we missing this yes. narrative? Yes. How is this narrative not reaching? Because it's not, it's not just that we don't have enough people looking at this, but the next generation of those who would even be possibly – the ones to support and to love Israel are not even close. Yes, totally. It's sh it's frightening actually, uh, because you know that that generation, the older generation. I've got to commend them because I go to conferences to speak sometimes, and if I go, my general thing is I want to go to churches if I'm speaking. You know, just go where the young people are, go where people are. But if you go to an actual Israel type conference, as you say, it's it's majority older people and and um but that generation that uh, older people carried faithfully this revelation and have been praying for israel and supporting israel and as you say the the next generation and the, the generations below have a less and less and less understanding I, I find exactly the same thing and and i suppose if we ask ourselves why I think there's a mixture of things. Some of the great teachers who brought that revelation to the church, they, they, they've gone and not been fully replaced. Um, and maybe that's where some of what we do comes in. Um, but I think also 
the revelation that they carried was not transmitted in a way that's relevant to younger people. So I think that's the one thing, Matt, mm-hmm. is that we have to find ways to communicate this with, as you're doing in a way that is, is, is accessible to those generations. Um, for instance, um, that's why I wrote the book the way I did because I did, I wanted to write something that would be speaking that language and, and, and you speak a, a relevant language and then organizations that we know of in Israel, like firm and mayors and different people, lots of different organizations trying to do this in a way that will, will, will engage that generation, those generations. And I think that's pretty important because those generations have grown up with a different way of learning and a different way of engaging. I think we're living in that kind of post-truth environment or postmodern, where everything's relative. And so the idea of absolutes is, is in itself not particularly palatable. And therefore, it's what do I feel? And if you just look at what you feel about what's going on, well, it's not going to feel good. <laughs> and so you're going to just go, well, there's numbers. You know, there's more Palestinians dying than Israelis. And, and so they must be the oppressor and, and so on. So, so I think there's some educational issues around there. There's okay, some perhaps of the agendas around, uh, call it that, that kind of woke agenda that's, that's feeding into this, but it's, it goes bigger than that, and it's, it's from further back than this. It's like the last 30 years or so, 40 years of what's been happening. Um, I think the culture, Christianity is always called to be countercultural, and um, mm-hmm. It's hard in this environment to even stand up and go, hold on, what does the Bible actually tell me? I mean, I know what politics tells me. I know what the media tells me repeatedly. I I know what the, you know, the the world is telling me. But when I look in my Bible, if I see something completely different, I have to stand for that. That's a difficult thing to do in some some respects. So I think there's elements of that. yeah, I think I look at something like The Chosen, and I think that's doing a good job, I think anyway, of, of presenting a Jewish Jesus to lots of generations, to those people you're talking about who are loving it. And my experience is they absolutely love it and go, wow. It's a, I mean, it's, it's quite an indictment, isn't it, that after 2,000 years someone does a program that shows Jesus is a Jew and everyone goes, oh, it's blowing my mind. It's like he's Jewish or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, so right. I think there's something weird about that. But still, that's doing something. But unfortunately, and that's why I wrote the book and that's why I want to do this course really is, is to make something accessible because people are recovering and re- re- a sense of the Jewishness of Jesus, which I believe gives you a whole lot of what the church is actually always looking for. Mostly it's looking for stuff that it lost by losing its embrace, like discipleship, community, study, you know, all those things. But it doesn't tell you anything about Israel and about God's heart for Israel. So somehow we need to make the connections for people because you're, otherwise we are going to end up with a very small minority of Christians, of believers, once that older generation who carried that revelation faithfully dies dies out, um, you're gonna we're gonna be left with a very small minority of people who actually do carry God's heart for the Jewish people. But to some extent, unfortunately, there's an element of that which is probably I mean, we have to work at that. But there's an element of that that prophetically seems 
what you see as well, which is people abandoning the Jewish yeah. people, yeah. people abandoning Israel. And I just, I just pray for, you know, like the fellowship I'm in, I'm just like, guys, I don't want the movement I'm part of. I'm like, guys, I don't want us to be on the wrong side of this because when you curse Israel or when you're indifferent, I think this is the other thing, even indifference, God is not keen on indifference to the things he loves. Then you're outside the full blessings of God. But I don't, I think the church is going to become polarized more about this issue as it is about other issues because the world is, is going to force it to decide and, yeah. and events are forcing it to decide. And I think God is as well. So yeah, I hope this I, new generation can, can, we have to find ways to communicate it, don't we? We have to pray, find ways to communicate it and pray that God will raise up some young people as well that will really carry this and get to know this and mentor them as, as, as we want to do. Because otherwise, yeah, I, fear yeah. for the church. Sorry, I think David, I think David, you're right. And, uh, you know, it's what we're all talking about here is really kind of bringing act one and act two of this two act play together. Yeah. And the thing that, uh, you know, the Bible directs us to do is never hold our peace. And so we have to take that stand. I think you're right. Yeah. Come on. And I think, I think there is a new, um, I don't know what generation is right, but there's certainly a new set of people, including yourselves, who are carrying this. And it isn't just an age thing. It's a carrying it in a way that lets go of some of, some of the things that have put people off from, you know, the flag waving as the kind of key central thing. You know, I wrote, I, I wrote this uh, Sabbath, I wrote this 52 Sabbath thing. And, um, some people who, who it was an online thing, free thing, online thing, and people who were going through it sometimes after reading about 10 or 12 would say, oh, I'm really loving this. Now, could you just tell me, like, how do I do the Sabbath? And I'd think, mm. what do you mean, how do I do the Sabbath? And I'm trying to understand what they mean because I'm like, you've read 10 of them and they've really talked already about that. And they kind of, and I realized what they want is a romanticized kind of Jewish magic almost, yeah. you know, yeah. some something ritualistic. And I'm like, that, that, that uh, we, we need to recover the heart of that. And so I think for me, I want to, we have to work hard to communicate all this stuff in a way that says, you don't have to blow the shofar. You know, you guys are, are Jews, you know, it's just like I do that you, you, you've never heard so many shofars blown until you became a believer. And then you go into <laughs> a church. It's like, it was, you know, it was Rosh Hashanah and the, <laughs> in the city, as it, but, but, but to, to help, Gentiles and young people particularly understand now what you're looking for a lot of this you're going to find when you actually restore the Jewishness of Jesus when you restore God's heart for Israel when you restore this to your faith it's going to help you not just in a selfish way um and that's a that's part of it as well as helping people understand the bigness of what God is doing that it's not the gospel of my salvation but the gospel of the kingdom and your salvation helps you participate in this kingdom, but this kingdom is still under the king of the Jews. And, you know, and, and we have to help people understand, I think, this new generation understand, because they're, they're not an older generation. There was a lot about, like, apologetics and what's the truth? You know, teach us the Bible. But this generation, they're relational, and they have to understand the why. Why is this useful? Don't tell me the information. Tell me why is this useful? And I think if we can bridge that gap, uh, which is 
what we want to do and go help them understand. Well, if you understand the Jewish Jesus, you'll understand what it means to be a disciple, not to be a Christian. If you mm-hmm. understand the the Jewish Jesus, you'll be able to resolve the cognitive dissonance that you live in that allows you to go, the Bible is the word of God from start to finish. And, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the first two thirds is called the Old Testament. And so that's kind of done away with. And then you've got the New Testament, which is what we're really interested in. Christians exist in this. And it, it, they find it, I, I think people do find it helpful when we come and we say, hey, we're not asking you to adopt a layer of Jewish culture. And you don't have to wave an Israeli flag. And you don't have to blow the chauffeur. In fact, please don't do any of those things. But what I do want you to do is engage with these things that will help you understand your Bible. And I think for me, that's where I, I, I think with this new generation and with the, those younger generations, I find it helps to start with Jesus. That, that's just my experience in terms of helping people, is, is yeah, yeah. helping churches, is start with where they're at because every believer wants to know Jesus. And... I know for our church, it, in years gone by, dec- you know, well, I'm talking a while, quite a long time ago, but um, more than 10 years ago, but, but t- at times people would come in with an Israel ministry, but people have still got this picture of Jesus that is a Gentile Jesus. And so the Israel ministry is just kind of this abstract almost thing that they're saying, well, the Bible says this. And, Bible, and it, it's true, but it it doesn't create a holistic sense for them. So I think for this new generation we have to really try to bring it all together for them and say, look, this, this is going to help you to understand community. This is going to help you to understand justice. You know, people don't understand that, that Jew, Jewish faith is more concerned with justice than most Christians. It's, it's, it's got a very, such a strong sense, as, as of course you know. And, 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 but, but most young Christians see Jewish stuff as in, associated with Israel and therefore in their secular agenda it's like it's associated with injustice and somehow they kind of lump everything in together and christians you know as christians new testament we we are we want we just want peace for everyone and and justice it's like no no justice is your concept of justice that you have comes from these jewish writings i had this thought the other day that 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 has shocked me since and has left me thinking i wonder and it's this i thought I think Paul would be absolutely shocked and appalled to think, no pun intended, appalled yeah, to think yeah. that that people considered his letters more important than the Torah. Mm-hmm. I think he would be like, whoa, no, no, no. I'm writing these letters, yes, but the Torah is the Torah. Like, you have to understand that's the word of God when we're talking about that. And I think... Um, there's a, there's there's a taking people on a journey, and I think somehow we've got to try and get this new generation to come on this journey, where we we slowly but surely unravel the threads, un take off those layers bit by bit, and bring them into that revelation. But it's it's a whole lot of work for a lot of people like yourselves and and and, and me, and and it's not the only thing as well. I think sometimes when people go overboard in the Israel thing, they don't. They're very focused just on Israel and not just on bringing back that Hebraic understanding that is part of this that will actually be helpful and bring people into this as well. So so for me, that's some of my answers. But 
honestly, it, it is a, a major issue. Um, so something for prayer. Yeah. This is, this has been great, David. Yeah. Thank um, you, David. Um, I, I just, uh, I want everybody number one to read your book. So I'm going to shamelessly plug it, make sure that you get the Jewish Jesus. I'm going to put that link, uh, in our, our show notes. Uh, but if people want to just follow you, you are a, a Renaissance man of many, many things. You're an author. Uh, you help to oversee a church there in Brighton. Um, you're also a stellar musician. Um, Shucks. by the way, are you, are you a Beatles fan by the way? Of course. Of any any okay. song, I'm a songwriter, and any good songwriter is a Beatles fan because the Beatles are pretty much the best songwriters in history in terms of pop music, rock music. There you go. So to see all things David Hofbrand, uh, where where could people go to just connect, continue to connect? Okay, so so um, probably one of the best ways to, to connect with me is decide if. You sign up to the Sabbaths, 52 Sabbaths, which is a free online devotional. You go to sabbath.love, and if you sign up to that, you'll receive a Sabbath each week, and you can kind of communicate with me through that, you know, which is one, one way that people can actually connect and communicate. I've got a Facebook author page, which is David Hofbrand, um, and a Facebook friend page, which is David Hofbrand, I'm open to both. <laughs> I probably should change one of those names, shouldn't I? I'm, I'm not the most. And um, you, you will find a couple of albums on uh, Spotify or iTunes, or one called yeah. To the Sound of Different Drum, one called Liechtenstein. So that's, and there'll be, I'll be setting up, an, I'm on Instagram as David Hofbrand. Basically, I seem to be the only David Hofbrand that I've come across, which makes it very easy to find me anywhere um, and very difficult for me to set up anything that doesn't, you know, isn't easy people to find really unless i change my name so there is um i'm trying to think there's a the jewish jesus book.com and there is a david hofbrand.com site but really which i'm working on that becoming an umbrella site for everything so yeah. initially people can sign up to the sabbath for free sabbath.love is that not because people get confused it's it's a funny extension but i, I thought it was a nice one instead of .com it's .love so that yeah. seems appropriate to me um and so all those ways, Instagram, David Hofbrand, there you go. Just follow me on Instagram and send me a message or whatever and say hi. So it's always nice to hear uh, when people are reading the book or Sabbaths, things that I've done. It's always, I love hearing back, you know, from people, how they're getting on with it and what they're using it for. Um, it the, the book, I would say, it was, the writing of it was one thing, but the editing that's that's the brutal thing man we went through about 50 revisions so it's always so gratifying when people come back and say i found it really accessible because sometimes writing a book is a bit like cooking a meal which is you spend hours and hours on the prep and you you know you do everything and you bring it and people kind of sit down and go hmm, oh yeah that's nice i like that so anyway <laughs> uh, did it, and you're thinking i slaved right. over that you know um, that's right but but that's how it should be um they don't know the work's gone in but so I'm, I'm, thanks for that. And I, I really appreciate you guys, your friendship um, and what you guys are doing is, is fantastic. And uh, so, so I appreciate you having me on and, and letting me 
burble on for s- such a long time. Um, no, this is good. You asked at the very beginning, you said, so uh, how long should this go? And we, we tell everybody the same thing. We say eh, 25, 30 minutes, uh, but we've never hit it once. So hey, uh, that's, that's great. We're, we might even break this one up into two and then we'll actually hit our goal and be just fine. So that'll be wonderful. Come on. Uh, but David, uh, we're, we're, we are thankful for your friendship. Uh, we want to be able to float across the pond and spend some time with you in Brighton or see Definitely. next time you're over here. Yes. Uh, but you're, you're doing a good work and we're thankful for you. And uh, we, we pray that, uh, that you would be a light in yeah. Brighton, mm-hmm. uh, that as you are living in a place that uh, really is, is even more hostile to the Jewish people. Uh, I, I'm watching yeah. what's going on over there and, and realizing that America is not far behind. I even watched, um, and I know we're trying to wrap, but I watched an interview with Piers Morgan, who's one of yours. Yes. And, uh, and he said on October 7th that he was walking down streets of London and ended up uh, at the Israel embassy in London and uh, was hoping that, that the gathering crowd that he was seeing that was gathering there, he, he thought, oh, this is, this is a beautiful thing. I'm going to go join them because they're all mourning what's going on. Um, after hearing about the attacks and as he got closer and closer, he realized before Israel did anything in any kind of, they were just trying to gather themselves, right? It's still October 7th. Yeah. He realizes that this is a pro-Palestinian rally that had already formed there in London uh, and, and people are cheering uh, the work of terrorists uh, in the slaughter of more than 1,400 people. Incredible, um, right? So, it's incredible. And we have a friend that has one child who is in the IDF uh, and serving on the front lines in Gaza, and their other child is in England. Uh, and he said, I, I feel safer uh, with my my son who's in the IDF fighting on the front lines against the terrorists in Gaza than yeah. I do my daughter walking down the street with the Star of David on the streets of London. It's an I amazing time that. that we live in. Yeah, it is. It's shocking. We're... we're- Evil is called good and good is called evil where everything black is called white, white is called black. I mean, it, it, people are very, very um, confused and and um, so we have to shine the light and, and, and try and tell the truth and try and um, speak out. So so it's and, it, and we need each other. And that's the other thing is we need each other. We need uh, there's there's a big world and um, a lot of darkness. So we need to be shining. And I think. All that we're talking about, you know, you just wish people would understand this is not some side subject. This is going to help you to shine with God's love. And then that's what we want, isn't it? That's in all of this, people sort of tend to think of it as a diversion from the gospel almost, a diversion from the work of God. And it's like really important to help make people make the connections to understand this is this is for the church. If you're praying for revival for the church, if you're praying for God to bless the church, this is relevant. This is not some side issue. And all of the things that we're talking about, I just I just want the church at least to get hold of this so that they can represent to the Jewish people in England, let alone everyone else, something that is of God's heart. For such a time as this. For such a time as this, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. David, good to see you. Thanks for jumping on here with us. And uh, we're all we're all saying Sha'alu Shalom, Yerushalayim. We are all praying for the peace of Jerusalem. May you yes. have peace there. And uh, we love you. We're thankful for this time. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, David. 
All right, so that brings our conversation uh, with David Hofbrand to a close. Uh, what they didn't hear was even after we hit end on the record button there, uh, we kept going for even longer. Yeah, we, we kept talking. Uh, you know, it's part of the Jewish goodbye. You can never uh, really say goodbye. Jews say goodbye and they never leave. That's right. So, um, David, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your life and your journey. And we want to encourage all of you, uh, if you don't have it, get his book, The Jewish Jesus. And uh, if you do, then we will let you know when the next one, 52 Sabbaths, is coming out. And you can walk through a journey through a Sabbath, through Shabbat, over the course of the next year of your life. And we pray that that would be fruitful. So. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this and the last episode and obviously always more to come. And until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem.